you should go to johnstrausslaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. It's not business, it's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com joined by Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth. Not because she's late. Not because something happened with her Uber. Nay. None of these things. She's in Chicago. So we're hoping, we as in me as in the Queen, are hoping that she's going to give a call in because boy oh boy is it hard to do this show alone for two hours. Also hoping that old dumb face Steve Poggi might give us a ringy ding. That would be a lot of fun. He's a fun guy. Speaking of fun people, Drug Policy Alliance, uh, almost sister-in-law, kind of. She was here last week in the Bay Area, went camping and hiking, almost killed Jonathan on a hike. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, she works for Drug Policy Alliance and said that she, when she left on Monday night, she was like, "Oh, something big's coming out this week. You watch. We're in a big, we're in a big fight right now." And I was thinking, "Oh no, with how would that be?" Oh, but this is great. Number one press release from Drug Policy Alliance. Please go to Drug Policy Alliance and donate to change the United States and how we deal with drugs here. Uh, also, when you go to Mutiny right here, when you're downloading this podcast, please press that donate button. Give me money. By us, I mean me as in, oh, help me keep the doors open, my friends. So here we go. Press release from, I don't even know what day it is. Today's the night. Yes, it was from yesterday, the 8th. President 45 to hold major briefing yesterday on opioid crisis. Trump's opioid commission recently recommended health-based response while Attorney General Sessions pushes for more criminalization and incarceration. Advocates, opiate overdose crisis is a health issue, not a criminal issue. President Trump is expected to be briefed on the opioid crisis today, which was yesterday, by Tom Price, Secretary of Health and Human Services. Today's briefing comes a little more than a week after President Trump's bipartisan opioid commission released interim recommendations calling for the declaration of a national emergency that would prioritize a federal government response to the crisis and greater access to medication-assisted treatment and naloxone. Things going to be rough today. I've got a little tickle in the throat. Not the best day to be doing the AltaCast alone, but I'm going to power through for you, my socialist listener out there. 
Uh, we need to be cautious about the intentions of this administration, said Grant Smith, Deputy Director of National Affairs for the Drug Policy Alliance. An emergency declaration can be used for good. It can help free up federal resources, help prioritize responses by the federal government, help give the administration leverage to request legislation from Congress. On the other hand, declaring a national emergency could be further used to further the war on drugs. Oh, I'm so sorry, you guys. It's going to be a really shitty podcast today. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to read. So I'm going to have to find some uh, good videos and stuff because, oh, I just, I won't, I won't be able to hang out. And I have to be together <coughs> tonight. I perform on the TV. Of course, it's like, of course, when I get opportunity, I'm not able to perform at my tip top abilities. You know, it's just catch 22 with the universe or what have you but yeah so oh man i gotta get rid of this cough it's just not gonna work on the on the public access either it's public access at uh berkeley tonight so that's exciting uh i guess there's a way in i i don't this uh producer he's he's we'll see what he's, he's doing a great job i'm just excited to be on the on the tv um here we go. I'll look up uh, opioid crisis, and we'll see. We'll see what uh, we'll see what they give us on the old YouTubes to pass about. Oh, good. There's one from 22 hours ago. This is perfect. Okay, good. Uh, he's just such a. I just I hate to see him even in any context. It's just making me uh, really sad. Just even seeing his face anywhere. And there's Melania sitting next to him looking, you know, beautiful. Uh, she's a gorgeous, gorgeous woman. And if I was to choose a third trophy wife, hell yeah, I'd go Slovakian or Slovenian. Slovenia, Slovakia, Hassan Pfeffer Incorporated. Tana, 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 we're gonna do it. Moving into the White House with the name like Melania. Gonna make my dream. Marry a rich guy Gonna be the first lady Gonna frown in the back Of this whole thing Okay Sorry that's You know Feminism or whatever It's It makes me really sad I wish that she could just be The best feminist And divorce that pile of shit That ugly fat pile of shit That she's standing next to That she has to constantly Look gorgeous for And I bet that isn't Isn't even all her real hair I bet she has like Extensions and things Because she's not a real person anymore Because now she's a personage But he still gets to be An ugly fat fuck Why? Because he's a guy with money But if you're a woman You still Have to look perfect Look at Martha Stewart She's goddess right? But she's touched up And has to still look perfect She doesn't have to look like This Anyways I don't Um Feminism <laughs> see if we can work this out this is gonna i'm sorry guys this is gonna go down as like either one of my best or one of my worst podcasts because i am out to lunch here today thank you very much secretary price for your work to address the crisis of opioid heroin cocaine and methamphetamines. It is a tremendous problem in our country, and we're going to get it taken care of as well as it can be taken care of, which hopefully will be better than any other country, which also has these same problems or similar problems. 
Nobody is safe from this epidemic that threatens young and old, rich and poor, urban and rural communities. Everybody is threatened. Drug overdose is now the leading cause of accidental death in the United States. And opioid overdose deaths have nearly quadrupled since 1999. It is a problem the likes of which we have not seen. Meanwhile, federal drug prosecutions have gone down in recent years. We're going to be bringing them up and bringing them up rapidly. At the end of 2016, there were 23 percent fewer than in 2011. So they looked at this scourge and they let it go by, and we're not letting it go by. The average sentence length for a convicted federal drug offender decreased 20 percent from 2009 to 2016. During my campaign, I promised to fight this battle because as President of the United States, my greatest responsibility is to protect the American people and to ensure their safety, especially in some parts of our country. It is horrible what's going on with opioid and other drugs. But the opioid is something that uh, nobody's seen anything like it. Today, I'm pleased to receive a briefing from our team on ways we can help our communities combat this absolutely terrible epidemic and keep youth from going down this deadly path. The best way to prevent drug addiction and overdose is to prevent people from abusing drugs in the first place. If they don't start, they won't have a problem. If they do start, it's awfully tough to get off. So we can keep them from going on, and maybe by talking to youth and telling them no good, really bad for you in every way. But if they don't start, it will never be a problem. We're also working with law enforcement offices to protect innocent citizens from drug dealers that poison our community. Strong law enforcement is absolutely vital to having a drug-free society. I have had the opportunity to hear from many on the front lines of the opioid epidemic, and I'm confident that by working with our healthcare and law enforcement experts, we will fight this deadly epidemic, and the United States will win. We're also very, very tough on the southern border, where much of this comes in. Uh, we're talking to China, where certain forms of man-made drug comes in, and it is bad. We're speaking to other countries, and we're getting cooperation, but we're being very, very strong on our southern border. And I would say the likes of which this country certainly has never seen that kind of strength. So uh, we're going to do our job. We're going to get it going. We have a tremendous team of experts and people that want to beat this, this horrible situation that's happened in our country. And we will. We will win. We have no alternative. We have to win for our youth. We have to win for our young people. And frankly, we have to win for a lot of other people, not necessarily young, that are totally addicted and have serious, serious problems. So we thank you all for being here. And we're going to get on with our meeting. Thank you very much. Thank you all. Thank you. And Melania in the background, looking like an alien from another place. Love it. Uh, hey, hey, guess what? The thing that's killing people isn't the heroin coming in from the southern border, you stupid fuckface. It's from here. It's from the pharmaceutical companies. We made it. We're the ones that make fentanyl. We're the ones. It's us. Oh, let's use this as an excuse to fuck with the borders. All the border problems are the problems. It's us. The hubris of our 
person in charge. Tremendous, it's tremendous. We're gonna be the best. We're gonna fix it. <sighs> okay, sorry. I just, I get so... When I, the, I see bl blindness, I see the, well, we're the smartest and the best and we're gonna beat it because we're the best. That's not, you know, it, I guess it's the positive power of positive thinking. If you believe it, it's true. And he believes his own myths that uh, higher incarceration rates and stiffer sentences are gonna make any fucking difference at all with opioid overdoses. I mean, except that you put people in jail that have an addiction and therefore they have to get sober in a horrible, terrible way. But there's still drugs in jail, folks. So, you know, socialism could fix everything. Did we, if we just cared, if maybe the president wasn't such a rich fucking pile of dog shit and cared about people, all the rich people could maybe have a little less so that everyone could have a lot more. You selfish, I'm sorry I'm swearing so much today, but it makes me so angry because I used to be, uh, and people would even say, you didn't grow up that rich. Oh, fuck you, I didn't. I mean, I look at that now and I'm like, whoa. Like, the amount of money I used to spend and what used to be on my radar for things and stuff was astronomical. I even still feel now like I am so blessed. I couldn't take care of more stuff than I have. And I do a pretty shitty job taking care of the stuff I have. I mean, I've let my cat destroy my beautiful leather Ethan Allen pull-out sofa. Uh, the remnants from my bourgeois past. <laughs> I'm gonna live with them forever. I wanna be like my grandma in the late 90s still wearing her 70s polyester pants. Why? Because she could fit into them and they were comfortable. Oh, imagine that, they didn't fall apart. Ooh, all right, so that's sad. Um, here's another one. We're going to see uh, what Price says about it. This is Health and Human Services. Because this is a big fucking deal, everybody. It, the president acknowledged what's been happening, that the people are dying of accidental uh, opioid overdose. And the reason they didn't say heroin is that it's not heroin. It's fentanyl. It's this crazy-ass shit that they give to people who are dying of weird cancer that are in so much pain that they just can't even like at all. And when you like open up this weird transdermal morphine thing and you lick it, you die! Or if you put it into a needle, come on! I mean, okay, here's more stuff. That's a commercial. No, 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 no commercials on Mutiny Radio. Well, we have like one or two, maybe more soon, I don't know. We just have come from uh, an extremely productive uh, meeting uh, with the President uh, and the First Lady um, gathered to talk about the opioid crisis. Uh, the President and First Lady are absolutely fully engaged uh, on a tragedy uh, that is uh, across crossing the country. Uh, the President understands the magnitude uh, of this challenge. Uh, how devastating it is, how it's devastated individuals and families and communities uh, large and small. Uh, he understands uh, the effect that it has had uh, on our nation, especially on families and on children. Uh, the numbers are absolutely daunting. 52,000 overdose deaths in 2015, 33,000 of those approximately related to uh, uh, opioids. Uh, the numbers in 2016 are uh, no better. 
Uh, and the numbers in 2017 are even worse than 2016. So we briefed the president uh, on our strategy through Health and Human Services uh, Department, a strategy that includes making certain that we have the resources and the information necessary for prevention and treatment and recovery, providing best practices for states and uh, those that are uh, engaged in, in that process, making certain that we have uh, overdose reversing medication, naloxone and Narcan uh, as, as uh, present as needed and possible uh, anywhere across the country. Uh, making certain that, that we're doing the, uh, the, the data, identifying the data, uh, the public health aspect of it, of this. Why is it that 52,000 Americans uh, uh, succumbed to an overdose death in 2015 and those numbers continuing to increase? Uh, fourth is uh, the research aspect of this. What, what is the NIH doing? What can they do? Kind of exciting things to provide for hopefully a pain medication that is not addictive or is not euphoric. Uh, one of the exciting things that they're actually working on is a vaccine for addiction, which is uh, which is incredibly exciting uh, uh, prospect. And then finally, how do we treat pain in this nation? Uh, as a uh, formerly practicing physician, orthopedic surgeon, I know that, that physicians and other providers have oftentimes sensed that there is an incentive uh, to provide narcotic medication. And, and uh, we need to do all that we can to make certain that, yes, people are provided appropriate narcotic medication when necessary, but no more uh, than necessary. Uh, we wanted to make certain that the president understood that it was his entire uh, cabinet and, and the federal government that were involved in this process. This is an interdepartmental, interagency uh, uh, process that's moving forward. Uh, we've met previously with the Department of State, Justice, uh, Department of Homeland Security, ONDCP, uh, and others to, to make certain that we're working together on a comprehensive strategy uh, that we're in the midst of right now and that we will be presenting to the President uh, in the near future. Uh, at the end of all of that, the President uh, made certain that we understood that he was absolutely committed to making certain that we turn this scourge in the right direction, turn this tide in the right direction, make certain that we see the number of overdose deaths and the number of, of individuals addicted uh, to, uh, uh, to medication um, uh, decreased. Uh, and uh, he has uh, made certain that we understand and appreciate that this is an absolute priority of his administration as it has been from, from day one. All right. Is it truly a priority? Who knows? Uh, but Melania in the back sure looked pretty, everybody. Wow. What a good-looking chick. Uh, I mean, let's keep it going. We might as well. We're the Drug Policy Alliance, everybody. Uh, getting, the, getting all the news. Uh, really look into safe injection sites. Having those are great. He mentioned naloxone and Narcan. Those are drugs that should be available over the counter that can save people's lives. And the problem and the reason we need safe injection sites is that everyone's so afraid of prosecution from the police, they'll shoot up in dangerous places, in alleyways or dark places, alone, alone. Um, you know, you need a buddy, because what happens if something happens and then you need, and everyone should have access to this stuff because, I mean, unless you're like, I'm a heroin addict and I want to kill myself, but then I guess it's pretty easy to over, I, see, I can't even get in the brain of it. I just can't even, I don't like opioids. I told you guys my stories in the past. They just don't work with my body chemistry. Lucky fucking me, right? <laughs> all right, uh, more on the opioid crisis. It, I'm off the rails today, guys. There's nobody here to keep me straight. Like, I got no LaToya. We've got no Poja on the phone. 
Ooh, I have no guests. Oh boy, what am I doing? Fallen off the rails. Opioid crisis, 313 deaths so far this year in Ohio. County not surprised. Let's keep going with the... It's so scary. Beneath Cincinnati's scenic beauty lies an epidemic that is rotting away at this community. This past Saturday, Hamilton County saw 22 suspected overdoses in 24 hours, prompting public health officials to issue a community-wide alert. We're yelling as loudly as we can, and nobody's listening. And the ones that don't listen end up here. Dr. Samarco, the coroner here, says she's already seen 313 overdose deaths this year. The county easily on track to surpass last year's record, 403 deaths. This epidemic is literally killing this community. Absolutely, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, we have, um, we used to do autopsies until about noon. Now we're well into the afternoon doing autopsies. The powerful synthetic fentanyl, up to 100 times stronger than heroin, is often to blame. It's laced in heroin for a stronger high, but is now being found cut into other drugs like cocaine. Christina Locke is a recovering addict. Heroin was my, my love, it was my, my soulmate. Addicted to pain pills at 19, heroin by 27. It's a total bankruptcy. Like, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually bankrupt, like the walking dead. As the crisis drags on, there's growing concern about heroin fatigue. We can't say that we're not overwhelmed. We are. And it is frustrating to know that you want to help people, but you don't have those tools and resources to do it. First responders responding again and again in a community ravaged by addiction. Blake McCoy, NBC News, Cincinnati. Hey, NBC News fans, thanks for Crazy, right? This is fucking real, everybody. It's real. I know, I can't believe you're like, oh, Ohio. It's like, you know, what? I didn't know Ohio used to have the idea. What a great place to raise a family, family values and picket fences and backyards, you know? And now everyone's on Uh Here's Kellyanne Conway. Let's just keep it going. She's an interesting cat. We know about Kellyanne Conway. Oh boy, she's looking thinner than ever. Sweetheart, eat a sandwich, am I right? <laughs> you guys don't get to see this, but... Am I right? Eat a sandwich. We just have come from uh, an extremely productive uh, meeting. Okay, so uh, we saw the beginning of this. Let's fast forward. This is the whole thing. So we're going to get to where Kellyanne Conway is being really skinny. So we had four minutes of price. I remember that. Oh, here she is. Here she is. Oh, God. She's kind of like Skeletor in training. Here we go. Here we go. One uh, of the president's senior counselors, Kellyanne Conway, has accompanied me on many of those trips, and she was uh, at our meeting today, and I know that she wants to say a few words as well. Kellyanne. Thank you, Secretary Price, and it's very nice to have the acting director of DCP, Richard Baum, with us today as well. The secretary and I have traveled to a number of different states, and we have heard the harrowing and very sad stories, but we also have increasingly met those who have successfully gone through treatment and recovery. We're very heartened to learn 
many people who are eating the opioid epidemic, and we recognize this is a poly drug problem in our nation, that we are a nation that consumes legal and illegal drugs at a very high and alarming rate. The problem is very complicated, and currently we're on the losing side of this war. With the President's leadership and the First Lady's involvement across the spectrum of different cabinets and agencies and different departments within the West Wing, we are confident that we can help those in need across this country. Okay, I got it. You guys all got to watch this. You can't believe what she's wearing. It's like a sack dress. Like, it looks like something from Old Navy. It's like a navy-colored thing with stars on it. It is like, she looks like Ohio. She looks like a strung-out drug addict from Ohio. Her arms are so thin. Wow. They need to give her some of that fake hair they put in putting on Melania because hers is looking a little flat. Ooh. I mean, I don't mean to be bitchy and like really take her apart she is talking about something that I actually care about and whatever but <sighs> I don't know I would I'm just I'm so glad that I've never made choices to try to be on TV like this like to be ripped apart would be uh, awful and I'm doing it but she does look really scary okay let's listen to what she's saying concern that addiction is plaguing our veteran community as well and we're working with Secretary Shulkin on that the next generation of the crisis is being seen in the number of newborns that are born addicted to opioids and other drugs. In fact, in this country now, NIH estimates that every 25 minutes, a newborn is born addicted to opioids. Whoa. Whoa. We are working hard um, to also stop the import of fentanyl into this country and to work with those governors and health health commissioners and others within the states who are interested in reducing the number of pills and days in a prescription and also in working with the curriculum so that our medical professionals are more educated and more conversant with and versed in prescribing methodologies as well. President Trump and the administration are working tirelessly toward this and I would to say that having traveled this country and studied this issue very closely, no state has been spared and no demographic group has gone untouched. This is not a problem of young or old, of black or white, of rural, urban, or suburban. It really has affected all of our communities in varying degrees. Wow, this is really it crazy. It is also though. a nonpartisan issue in search of bipartisan support and bipartisan solutions. And we do hope that those in a position to help with the decision-making and advocacy and solutions and those charged with covering this issue as well will agree that it is nonpartisan in search of bipartisan solutions. Thank you very much. All right, Kellyanne Conway. Oof. Oh, God, I can't believe what she's wearing. I just can't believe it. Uh, this is a little bit more a price. Here we go. And are culpable or should be legally culpable for parts of this crisis. Do you agree with that? What's the administration's orientation to those laws? Well, the, uh, there are a couple suits that are out there right now that have already been uh, uh, begun. Um, I think that uh, this gives voice and, and punctuates uh, the, the damage uh, and the harm that people have felt uh, because of, of this crisis. Um, uh, there isn't a position that the administration has on, uh, on, these, uh, on these suits at this point, uh, but it has clearly gotten the attention of, uh, of the pharmaceutical companies. Uh, some have analogized it to the tobacco uh, issue uh, and the master settlement that occurred um, 
know, 20 years ago uh, with, uh, with the issue of tobacco. Whether this is something that's analogous to that, I, I, I don't know. But Do it's you see an, it in that light, Mr. Secretary? Well, I, what I see is that uh, there is, um, uh, that, that we continue to move in the wrong direction on the number of individuals that are not only addicted, but the number of individuals that are, are losing their lives to addiction. Um, and so uh, the president is absolutely committed to solving that problem, and we are going to turn over every single rock and make certain that we're identifying every single thing that could move us in a better direction. Is this a national emergency? Well, the president certainly believes that, that it is that, that we will treat it as an emergency, and it is an emergency. When you have uh, when you have the capacity of of uh, Yankee Stadium or Dodger Stadium dying every single year in this nation, uh, that's a crisis that uh, that, that has, to be, uh, has to be given uh, incredible attention, and the President is, uh, is giving it that attention. Yes. Mr. Secretary, Secretary, thank you. I was curious, um, those of us old enough to remember the crack problem 20-plus years ago, how is this different, and how is the approach to deal with the opioid problem going to be any different? And are we just going through a cycle of a new crisis every 20 years and the public forgets? I mean, what's different here? Well, it, it, it's different for a number of reasons, not the least of which is the magnitude and the numbers of individuals um, succumbing to addiction and losing their lives. Uh, and this is, this is uh, uh, relatively recent. In the, in the past 10 to 15 years, these numbers have spiked up. Uh, so the difference is that uh, that that the uh, the crack cocaine issue, which is, was a, a, a terrible, terrible issue, but it didn't have the potency of the medication that exists right now. Right now, carfentanil and fentanyl exist in in a way that uh, that that uh, um, uh, kill individuals with with very small doses. Uh, the cost of, of uh, illicit uh, drugs, the cost of heroin, for example, is significantly lower than it has been. So the access to these drugs is, is, is that much greater. So uh, it, it may be cyclic in terms of, of generational engagement or involvement, uh, but as Kellyanne said, this, this knows no age distribution. It, it's affecting folks young and old uh, uh, across all demographics in our society. So we believe that it is that it is different, if only because of the potency of the medication and the uh, the numbers of individuals who are succumbing to it. Yes, ma'am. Secretary Price, thank you. I do have a question for Kellyanne, but first to you. Why has the president not officially declared the opioid crisis a national emergency, and does he plan to? Well, most national emergencies that have been declared in, in, in the area of public health emergency have been focused on um, a specific area, a time-limited uh, problem, either an infectious disease or, or a, a specific uh, um, uh, threat to, to public health. The two most recent that come to mind are the Zika uh, outbreak and, and Hurricane Sandy. Uh, so um, we believe that at this point that, that the, uh, the uh, resources that, uh, that we need or the focus that we need to bring to bear to the opioid crisis at this point can be addressed uh, without the uh, declaration of an emergency, although all things are on the table for the president. So it's not imminent that you would do that, but it's on the table. All things are on the table. Okay. Kellyanne Conway, if you'd like to weigh in on that. And then also, if I can ask about the president's comments on North Korea. He said that North Korea, if they continue their threats, will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. Can you explain specifically what he meant by fire and fury? Is that military action? No, I can't. I think the president's comments were very strong and obvious. I know all of you covered them live. And uh, I would defer to other members of 
Dr. Price's cabinet to come further. And anything you want to add to the emergency status question? No, because I'll leave that to the health professionals, but I will tell you that the President and the First Lady are taking very seriously what is an absolute epidemic, and we see it that way also. We are uh, at, a, at a very peak level. And one thing I should have mentioned earlier that is a very important component here is destigmatizing the use, the misuse of, of substances. Um, we find time and again people are just too fearful to come forward and admit that they have a problem, admit it to the people closest, their family members, their friends, their colleagues. And also something that we discussed with the President and First Lady at length are the very the different accounts that we've heard in states, and you can see the stories for yourselves. Um, we're so sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Jones. We tried to save your son. In fact, we resuscitated him three or four times over the last six or eight months, but this time he was too far gone. And they say who, what, when they don't even know that their that their son or their loved one has had a substance misuse disorder, a substance uh, abuse disorder, and it, sometimes the privacy laws don't allow parents of a 19-year-old, in fact, to be notified. So this is something of which we're very aware also. Um, the President's Commission on the Opioid Crisis uh, recommended that the President urgently, immediately call this a national emergency because that frees up resources. That lifts some of these barriers. That allows more Medicaid recipients um, to go into treatment. Um, why, do you, why do you feel like that isn't something that needs to happen right now? I mean, was the commission wrong on this? No, I think that I mean, there was an interim report from the commission, and it's uh, and it's being reviewed at, at all different uh, levels uh, of the government. But everything that you just mentioned can be can be done, and many of it, much of it, is being done without the declaration of, of, of a national emergency, either a Stafford Act uh, uh, emergency or, or a public health emergency. So they so expanded to let more Medicaid recipients? Everything that you talked about can be done. Now we're talking about what, uh, what, what should be done and working uh, uh, through the department and through the other agencies that, that, uh, that, that I mentioned to come forward with that coherent strategy, that comprehensive strategy and recommendation uh, for the president and we'll do so in short order. Last okay. question. Uh, yes, just follow up on something Kellyanne Conway said. So are you looking at changing privacy laws or HIPAA around drug addiction specifically? I guess either of you can answer. Yeah, uh, th th this is really an important issue because um, so uh, what, what, one of the things that we found when going around the country is that it's the local communities, it's the local loving community, the, 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 the families, the, the organizations within communities that are so pivotal to providing success for individuals, getting through, uh, through the treatment and, and onto recovery. And so it's devastating for, for uh, anybody to, to learn of a family who is not able to be notified that one of their loved ones has, has had a problem with, with addiction because of privacy laws. So we're looking through the regulatory process to determine what can be done, if anything, to, to make it so that, that uh, the, those, uh, those requirements are not, those privacy requirements are not as onerous in the, in the case of, uh, of an overdose. Uh, and it certainly is something that, uh, that Congress could address and we'll be talking uh, uh, with them and have had conversations with many of them about that. Speaking of Congress, is the health care bit dead? Uh, the, the, the health care challenge across this nation is not dead. Uh, and, 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 so, and, and so what we, what, what we believe needs to occur is that the Congress needs to uh, address the issue in a way that allows individuals to gain the kind of access to coverage and care that they need. Thank you all so much. Oh, wow.
Did he dodge things at the end there? Yeah, anything can be done. <laughs> can be. Maybe. When we decide what's important. That's important, people. Uh, not calling it a state and national emergency. That's interesting because it's something that happens over time and it's not like right now. It's an emergency right now. It is an emergency right now, but it's like... And then to change the privacy laws, you fucking dicks, you cocksuckers. That's what you're going to get out of this. That's what you're going to get out of all this people dying of opioids is that you're going to change. You're going to change the protection laws so that people so there's less there's so there's less protection under the law of medical records. Wow. Wow. Way to spin it. Way to use way to use our own sickness against us. Nice work, government. Fuck. They're going to take this whole thing, all these people dying, and it sucks, and it's awful, and there's ways to fix it. Safe injection sites, you know, uh, having money put at Medicaid so people can afford to be in rehab. Oh, my God, money for rehab? It's a crisis. We don't know how to solve it. Give people money for rehab. Set up safe injection sites where you can have access to nurses who see you, people that you meet in the community that know you and that don't want you to die anymore, like people that care about you or people that you can care about or whatever. And maybe you do. Maybe you should talk to your mom again or whatever. Come on. Or is life just not worth living? Are we already at Soylent Green? Soylent Green is people. You know, oh, self-euthanization centers. I just can't do it anymore. It's time to end it. I mean, is that where we are? But the haves are all up there with their special clothes and their great makeup and their fashion and their perfect hair and they're living some weird alien lifestyle. While we, the proletariat at the bottom, my mom always told me someone has to ditch, dig the ditches, Pam. So you should study so that it doesn't have to be you. Well, I studied and I say that digging ditches is work. And that is just as valuable as whatever smarty pants shit people come up with. It's better than fucking being pretty, that you can do actual work, that you can make something. Artists, join up, makers, people that do and make things. Instead of just passing around, oh, I made an app. It doesn't exist. I'm sorry, I'm so old school. I'm afraid that, actually I kind of want, I can't believe I haven't been abducted yet. I kind of want to move to Colorado Springs so I can get abducted. And they can take me up to the alien Okay, this is all not true. If you're listening alien ships, I do not want to go to the alien ship. I don't. Seriously, I don't. <laughs> I do not like space travel. I don't believe in your space travel. All right. Yeah, that North Korea stuff happened too. Um, here, let's watch Melania just because she's my favorite and I got jokes about her and I can maybe mind this for more jokes while I cough because... My throat hurts today. Is there going to be a commercial? No! First Lady Melania Trump sent out a tweet about the destructive power of opioids and plans to join her husband Tuesday for an event on the opioid epidemic in one of her most visible moves in the policy arena. She will appear alongside Trump at a briefing on the opioid crisis at the President's New Jersey Golf Club Tuesday. The First Lady revealed her plans in a tweet Tuesday morning, where she wrote that opioids are destroying the nation's youth, as the crisis takes the lives of dozens of Americans each day. Her comment was an echo of former First Lady Nancy Reagan, 
who championed the Just Say No campaign, which had mixed results during the 1980s. The president also plugged the meeting in a tweet. I will be holding a major briefing on the opioid crisis, a major problem for our country, today at 3 p.m. in Bedminster, New Jersey, Trump wrote. Health and Human Services Secretary Tom Price is attending. The hashtag drew supporters as well as critics, some of whom noted that Trump-backed health care legislation would slash funding for Medicaid and drug treatment programs. A group of GOP centrists who torpedoed the bill stressed potential cuts to addiction treatment programs. The First Lady traditionally refrains from policy statements, although she has spoken about getting involved in a campaign to stop cyberbullying, without much to show for it to date. Former First Lady Nancy Reagan became identified with the campaign to try to persuade young people to turn away from drugs, as part of the broader war on drugs during the Reagan administration. We want you to help us create an outspoken intolerance for drug use, Reagan said in one interview. I employ each of you to be unyielding and inflexible in your opposition to drugs. In a 1986 speech outlining the Just Say No campaign, Nancy Reagan said, Our job is never easy because drug criminals are ingenious. They work every day to plot a new and better way to steal our children's lives, just as they've done by developing this new drug, crack. For every door that we close, they open a new door to death. During the end of the Obama administration, the White House negotiated with lawmakers in both parties over changes to the criminal justice system related to the roughly 2 million Americans in prison, though the action stalled. Donald Trump spoke frequently about the opioid crisis during the 2016, as a rise in prescription drug use led to severe consequences in many communities. In a leaked call with Mexican President Enrique Peña Nieto, Trump referred to New Hampshire as a drug-infested den. Some state residents took umbrage, tweeting images of tranquil mountains and lakes in the Granite State. Melania Trump during the campaign said among the issues she would focus on as First Lady was prevention of cyberbullying. She has accompanied the president on foreign trips and to other White House events, but has yet to stake out a major profile on a national issue. Trump established a commission on combating drug addiction and the opioid crisis, headed by former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. A preliminary report compared the death toll to a September 11th every three weeks, the Washington Post reported. Whoa, that was really trippy because it sounded like an alien had called in from a phone somewhere else and delivered the news with Melania pictures. That was really trippy, that voice. I don't know about you guys, but I believe in aliens now, so... Uh, I believe in everything. I'm, whatever. Uh, coming up at 2 o'clock is some call me Tim or we'll be talking to Scotto of Flat Black Plastic about what he believes in. So that's exciting. That's going to be happening. Uh, this is a lot of fun. United States Senate allocates $2.5 for LEAD, innovative program that diverts drug users from incarceration and other things. All right, the LEAD Law Enforcement Assisted Diversion redirects low-level offenders engaged in drug activity to community-based services instead of jail and prosecution. So I went to the lead courts because of the ABC thing that happened here. So I guess drug and alcohol, I guess. So it makes sense. Correction, an earlier version of this release stated Denver is implementing lead when in fact they are currently only applying for state funding. Okay, so remember that. The Senate Appropriation Committee has approved a bill that contains $2.5 million for law enforcement-assisted diversion. 
lead. The funding, which appears in legislation funding for the Department of Justice, is recognition of the successes of the lead program across the country. It's only $2.5 million. Give me a break, but I guess it's like, hey, you have some money. LEAD is a critical program that recognizes that arrest and incarceration are not the way to treat drug use, said Michael Collins, Deputy Director of the Drug Policy Alliance Office of National Affairs. This funding will be crucial in the expansion of LEAD. While the Senate bill includes funding, the House version does not, so advocates must work to make sure the final government bill funding a funding bill includes the funding. The expectation of a bill is a bill passed before the end of September. LEAD is a pre-booking diversion program that allows officers to redirect low-level offenders engaged in drug activity to community-based services instead of jail and prosecution. LEAD participants begin working immediately with case managers to access services. LEAD's goals are to reduce the harm of a drug user and may cause him or herself, as well as the harm that the individual may cause the surrounding community. This public safety program has demonstrated the potential to reduce recidivism rates for low-level offenders and preserve expensive criminal justice system resources. In early June, Senators Warren Capito spoke at a congressional briefing on LEAD. Other speakers included representatives from LEAD programs in Baltimore, Washington, and West Virginia. A group of senators also sent a letter led by Warren to the heads of the Senate Appropriation Committee on Commerce, Justice and Science, Senator Shelby and Senator Shaheen request lead funding. Senators Warren, Capito, Shelby, and Shaheen are applauded for their role in securing funding. Lead is a topic on which police and public health experts have found common ground. We've learned together that collaborating to exchange people with substance use issues and community-based case management and only using jail and prosecution when they are actually necessary and helpful works better than other approaches, said Lisa Dugard, director of the Seattle Public Defenders Association. It's great to see the spirit of collaboration to improve outcomes reflected in the Appropriations Committee vote to fund the lead programs. Woo! All right. Well, it's 1245. You're listening to the AltaCast. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. That is the end of the Drug Policy Alliance news 45 minute. And uh, we'll move right into Gnarl Pro-Choice America. Abortions are cool. I mean... Choice is cool, right? If you are not ready to have a baby, you probably shouldn't be making that choice. But if you are, hey, have a baby. That's great. You know, just not everybody has to do that. And it would be great if we could teach people that like, you know, if you don't accomplish the things you don't want yet, maybe you just have to try harder instead of having a baby and then being a dance mom. I've been having way too many dreams about like dance recitals and stuff. It's it's weird because I haven't. In my dream last night, I looked at someone and I was like, I'm just glad that I can dance, which I haven't done in forever. So it's so silly. Uh, endorsements from Gnarl for Congress, blah, 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 blah. This will be fun. Leading progressive groups. Party must stand up and proudly support abortion rights. Hell yeah. Leading progressive groups led by Gnarl Pro-Choice America and Democracy for America today released a statement of principles when it comes to the Democratic Party and abortion. Joining Gnarl and DFA on the statement of principles are Move On Political Action, Planned Parenthood Action Fund, Emily's List, 
Working Families Party, Ultraviolet, Daily Cost, Demos, Progressive Change Campaign Committee, Indivisible Project, American Federation of Teachers, and Social Security Works. The Statement of Principles brings together groups that supported Secretary Hillary Clinton and Senator Bernie Sanders in last year's primary. Our basic rights and freedoms are under assault daily from the Trump administration, said Elise Hogue, president of Gnarl Pro-Choice America. The Democratic Party cannot give an inch in their opposition to this administration. That is true across the board and especially true when it comes to abortion rights. The Democratic Party cannot and will not win if it turns its back on women and our fundamental rights. Democrats will fail to retake power in 2018 if we allow ourselves to be forced into false choice between a populist, progressive agenda and reproductive justice, said Charles Chamberlain, executive director of Democracy for America. Abortion rights are inextricably tied to the fight against economic and racial inequity, full stop. And until all leaders of our party fully understand that we're going to keep losing. The statement of principles are online here and copied below. As progressives, we know we cannot have a real conversation about economic security that does not include the ability to decide if, when, and how to raise a family. That being able to plan a pregnancy, or that being able to plan a pregnancy has a powerful effect on educational attainment, career trajectory, and chance to define our own destinies. As progressives, we stand united in understanding that policies that limit access to abortion and force medically unnecessary procedures are oppressive to women, especially low-income women and women of color. As progressives, we stand united in the belief that a woman's autonomy over her own body is not a secondary issue or a social issue, but rather a human right and a necessity in order to attain and preserve economic security in her life. As progressives, we acknowledge that the current economic system is exceptionally punishing of mothers, single mothers, and mothers of color whose wages, job opportunities, and economic advancement suffer due to the motherhood penalty. As progressive, we stand united in our belief that 21st century economic populism must include an understanding of how race and gender affect our economic reality and our economic opportunity. As a progressive movement, we recognize that over the last decade, there has been a massive erosion of access to abortion and attacks on contraception, and we cannot back away from this fight without abandoning people and undercutting core constituencies in our base. As we always have, progressives share our party with people who personally don't believe that abortion is an option for them. This includes self-identified pro-life legislators up until the moment they seek to impose those personal views on their constituents and the country. If they vote to restrict abortion access or contraception access, that they then undercut the party platform and they undercut the welfare of women. We strive for and believe in personal evolution and growth. So if they have voted to do so in the past, the burden of proof is upon them through the subsequent votes and or public statements, not in the heat of a campaign, but prior to running for office or re-election. Thus, as progressives, we know to organize, mobilize, and win elections, we must field candidates who understand the integral nature of these core values and bring the full power of our collective base to win. Thank <laughs> you.
Well, holy fuck. Knock my socks off, Gnarl. You just did it. I'm just going to copy-paste this, put it right down, try to memorize that. Hell yeah. I believe. I like this I progressive stance. I am in. I'm a progressive. I call myself a socialist, but maybe I'm a progressive. And I'm always going to copy-paste that right now. We put that right on there. We just put it like, uh. There it is. Abortion stuff. That's a really nice thing to write. I've got it copy-pasted. Thank you, Gnarl. Wow. All my lady bits, thank you. All my friends with the lady bits, I think they they say thank you. Because we're people. We're people. Uh, I mean, women. Uh, yeah. You know, they're not just trophy wives like Melania that... No, we're actual people and have thoughts and feelings and, you know, cool. So thanks for acknowledging us as people and not just as objects, president. Uh, oh, wait, he hasn't done that yet. I'm sorry, because he still has ownership over his wife. Well, technically, everyone has ownership over their wives. Isn't marriage a contract? Of, I guess you have binding ownership, ownership over one another, I suppose. Right. Whatever. Get married, kid. If you have money and you have you have to pay taxes or whatever, hey, I'll power to you, baby. Like, get married. That's important because you got to get those tax write-offs. But if you're poor, what's the point? So you can be like, oh, look, ever don't, don't fuck my husband. I mean, if, hopefully. I hope it doesn't take that piece of paper and the little ring on your finger to be like, don't fuck my husband, or whatever, or do, or who knows what people are into, whatever they're into. Yeah, okay. Uh, but, you know, don't mess with... Uh, well, I, I would... Anyways, let's not get into that today. It's 12.53. It's AltaCast. I'm hoping that LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth, calls in at 1 p.m. That would be nice. He thinks no pro-choice in America for believing that women are people. <laughs> uh, they have a lot of uh, people that they're endorsing for Senate and uh, Abby Finneker for Congress, uh, Stacey Abrams for Georgia governor, Iron Stash, Randy Bryce. I, I should know more. They also endorse Jackie Rosen for the U.S. Senate. Uh, so... Go check out Gnarl and give him money. Uh, while you're at it, go to mutinyradio.fm. Give us money. Yay, we have a donate button. Give me five bucks. Yay! Oh, gosh. Let's do some... I need to I need to cough again, so we're going to listen to some more opioid crisis, because why not? Well, we hopefully get some LaToya action coming in here. And uh, oh, maybe I'll pick out some music for you guys that I like. We should talk about noise bop that's coming up I should play some songs from the bands I'll do that here um, Saturday the 19th at noon is the Wyatt Act followed by another body found then Asada Messiah they're rad um, and then Old Devil Moon uh, from 4 to 5 we have interviews and then from 5 to 6 we have Pervert Fervor which you're familiar with if you listen to some Call Me Tim but until then, 
Let's learn how to combat the opioid crisis. It is a crisis impacting millions of families from all walks of life. And President Trump unveiling his administration's plan to combat America's opioid epidemic. Strong law enforcement is absolutely vital to having a drug-free society. And I'm confident that by working with our health care and law enforcement experts, we will fight this deadly epidemic and the United States will win. And here to weigh in is Dr. Nicole Sapphire. Thank you so much for joining us again this morning. Good morning. Always nice to have you here. So in terms of the prescriptions alone, let's begin there. And the amount of opioids that have been described and sold, or prescribed and sold in the U.S. Uh, has quadrupled since 1999. Yes, absolutely. A lot of that has to do with how we value our health care system. The United States functions very differently than the rest of the world. We have far majority of the opioids being in the United States. We put this imperceivable value on control controlling patients pain where we're not and so a lot of times you are not giving the physician time to talk about like how else can we treat your pain and really having that conversation of risk and benefit with the patient that's what's interesting because while the numbers of the prescriptions have quadrupled the number of people complaining of pain has not that's that's pretty much remained the same absolutely true and you know it's a cultural thing in a sense that Americans a lot Americans actually take prescription medications pain medications for Mm -hmm. acute injuries where you see in other countries it doesn't necessarily happen really what's going on you know, you have to attack it from all sides. You can't just say one thing's going to fix this. As President Trump has mentioned, everyone's affected. You need to affect supply and demand. Right now, you have over-prescribing, over-utilization of opiate medications, and this is causing a lot of patients to have, or a lot of people just to have access to opiates, whether it's, you know, for legitimate reasons or not. They're out in circulation, and that causes so addiction. Yes, yeah, since they're already out there, we already know that the addiction numbers are skyrocketing. The amount of deaths are skyrocketing. What do you do since it's already out there. Multi-pronged. What you have to do is you have to limit supply and demand. We already have this in place right now. It's Unfortunately, it's not going to happen overnight for everyone. Physicians are decreasing their prescribing. We're tightening up. We need a centralized regulatory monitoring system so we know if a patient's getting a prescription from this doctor and a prescription from this. If a patient overdoses right now, their primary care doctor is not alerted that they actually had an overdose, and they may still be writing them prescriptions for their opiate medications. We need a little bit tighter regulation, not necessarily removing physicians' rights to practice. However, we need to be monitoring. And President Trump said it absolutely right. We have a lot of illegal forms of opiates by land, sea, air. So we have to control it. We have to stop it from crossing our so borders stop from land the flow from entering, So stop the flow entering the U.S. and then stop or lower the amount of opioids that are uh, prescribed as well. Are, do you uh, feel a little bit better that this president is stressing this? Because obviously it, it took a while to get to this point and we haven't heard about it from other administrations to this point. To this point. Unfortunately what has happened is it's kind of slowly been growing. This yeah. didn't happen overnight. This has been going on now for decades and here we are and we're calling it a crisis. We're calling it an epidemic and President Trump is right. He has to treat this as a crisis. Whether you want to get caught up in the rhetoric of declaring it an emergency or not, he's treating it with an intense seriousness and I appreciate that. Any efforts to treat the addiction or to treat our patients is going to be thwarted if we if the supply and demand yeah. is not well, there. If they come out and it's just right in front of them and people keep giving it 
their treatment is going to be And you're right, you're right. Regardless of the politics, the numbers are staggering. And since what, uh, for the 12 months ending in September of 2016, nearly 60,000 Americans died from overdoses. That's the largest annual jump ever recorded. So we have to do something about it's it. It's essentially a 9-11 attack yeah. thank, every month. Thank you so much for joining thank us, you. Dr. Sapphire. Good point there. Blah, blah, blah. They're so dumb because um, they talked about the same thing with the... It's taking it from other places. It's, 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 it's those crazy Mexicans that are doing it. It's just crazy Mexicans. Stop the crazy Mexicans. I just, it's great how they just keep trying to... I mean, that was Fox News. Fuck Fox News. But what did we learn? We have to know all sides. I can't just tell you the news from the totally skewed and biased to the way I think. Please. Have to listen to the enemy as well. That's why we started with... 45. Oh, that guy. Oh. Oh. Anyways, I just such sadness of of I I I can't believe it's reality sometimes. I just have such a hard time like with the concept. Oh, I did I go off on this already? I've been ranting a lot today. Big big apologies everybody. Um but I was raised, I think that I was rich. And I still think that I'm rich. So if we could just, you know, l- lower, if we could really decipher what it is we need and not, you know, hurt other people with the acquisition of our stuff and things. And I don't know, man. I don't know what the answer is, but I think that, I think that baking bread is probably something that would be good I don't know I can't I can't uh, I can't find this band old, old devil moon that's playing they must not they must not exist uh, but you know who's playing is gonna be a Sodom Messiah another body found the Wyatt Act and pervert pervert <laughs> so we're gonna listen to some of those bands that are going to be playing at the Noise Pop Block Party. And so not on the Noise Pop Block Party stand, but here at Mutiny Radio in front of our amazing uh, building and in the street. And it's going to be a fun time. So the first band that's going to be playing from noon to one thereabouts is the Wyatt Act. And if you don't know Guinevere Q, no big fucking deal. Uh, you'll get to know her. Then here is a track of theirs called Sleep.
That's the Wyatt Act. Hey, everybody, how exciting is the Wyatt Act? They're going to be playing live, 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 live on Saturday, August 19th. I'm <laughs> like, wow. Outside of Muni Radio from noon to, noon to 1 p.m. Here's another band. They're going to be playing from 1 to 2. They're called Another Body Found. They're rad. This is a song called The Call.
are disappearing on thin Another body found. Another body found. You get to hear them live here on the 19th at 1 p.m. playing on the street out here in front of Mutiny Radio. It sounds a lot like Maynard, huh? It's got a little Maynard flavor. Flavor of Maynard. A flavor of Maynard. Uh, Hey, the next band that we'll be playing at 2 o'clock is Asada Messiah. They are badass. Um, really, they're really funny, and they have um, cu- cute names and fun things. Uh, let's just we'll start with uh, this one. This is they call me the wizard. Please enjoy Asada Messiah. You can hear him live here at two p.m. on the nineteenth of August. <laughs> Come on. 
That's a Sodom Messiah. Woo! And they are also playing live during the uh, Saturday block party, which is going to be a lot of fun. So from two to three, you be out front. You're going to rock it. Call me the wizard. All right. Uh, from four to five, we're going to be having some of the main stage people from Noise Pop come here. We're going to be interviewing them. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then at five o'clock, oh boy, are you in for a treat. Yeah. It's the meagity moogs, the ones and twos of our favorite pervert fervor. Part of the Some Call Me Tim podcast. Uh, he won't be on it today because I have a special, special interview with Scotto of Flat Black Plastic. I'm going to play his Flat Black Plastic on the end of that today. But instead, I'm going to play Pervert Fervor for you guys on the end of the AltaCast. He's great. He has all these machines and then he makes music from them and it's really fun. So thanks so much for being with me today on the AltaCast. I'm sorry I was so off the rails. Um... I'm, I'm juggling a lot of things, and I was alone today, too, so that was crazy. I'm, like, texting people, setting up deals, cleaning out closets, not cleaning the toilet, which I really need to do. I'm sorry, everybody. It's so gross in there. I'm just like, why can't... I mean, the stuff is in there. Anybody could do it. It's just I'm the only one that ever does. I get it. It's fine. I, I You know, everyone wants to be paid to deal with the uh, toilet. Uh, let's see. We've got Party Beaks, B-E-A-K-S, or How to Tie Up Your New Yacht. Oh, boy. That sounds like fun. I'm going to go with How to Tie Up Your New Yacht. It's pervert for her.
enjoying the beepity boops of fervor fervor. I know you are. I know you are. Uh, let's switch it up. Let's switch it up to En Atana de Bassier or This is No Time for Modesto. <laughs> Such a great name. <laughs>
tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Want to spend a summer Sunday laughing your cares away? Then come join the fun at San Francisco's Comedy Day. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs, and it's free. Besides our annual celebration of stand-up, did you know that Comedy Day offers workshops that teach Bay Area students how to use humor to resolve conflict? Comedy Day is so serious about ending bullying, it's banning all comedians from using the following phrases. Knee slapping, side splitting, break a leg, bust a gut, knock them dead. Those words hurt. But Comedy Day feels good. It's fun for the whole family. Did I mention it's free? Hey, comedy fans, don't miss the 37th Annual Comedy Day, the original longest-running free outdoor comedy concert in the world. The funny starts at noon on Sunday, September 17th at Sharon Meadow in Golden Gate Park, San Francisco. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs. It's free! 
Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, and my offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini. And creamy-licious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They get them. And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads going to come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 